1: because I'm not going to make these observations well, <laughs> anymore because I'm so <laughs> frightened of being banned.
2: No one really thought that Ngani was going to win that fight, but I will say he won that fight. Anthony Joshua's not got the talent. Then that, he's not as gifted as Wardley. <laughs> Ethel, you'll, get, you'll be out of a WhatsApp no, group no, so. I'm definitely in the group, mate. Who's laughing over that? <laughs> Joshua has his own
1: strengths. Welcome to Talk Boxing with Simon Jordan and Spencer Oliver. This is episode 46 on the digital version of the huge TalkSport platform. Um, Don't forget to like and subscribe. Don't forget to keep watching the videos and leaving questions in the comment section below. But let's get on with this week's show. Spencer, where should we start? Should we talk about Jack Cattrall's <laughs> win against Hoggill and Ares? Should we talk about Moses Vittell? No, let's uh, talk stop, about let's our dear Fury. friend Tyson Fury. Yeah. Huge event, huge spectacle on the weekend, undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of questions come out of it. Let's start with your view on the events that unfolded on Saturday nights with Tyson and Francis Ngannou.
2: Well, like you say, as an event... As a spectacle, it, it was phenomenal. I think the Saudis put on a, you know, a great. It was like an Olympic ceremony opening, really. Mm. I think they, they went all out, um, sort of raised the bar in that. Do sense. you like
1: pop concerts? Huh? Do you like pop concerts? I do like pop
2: concerts, mm. only if I know who they are. Mm. And I, and that was, that yeah. was a little bit. Like when I saw Eminem there, I thought he might have been playing, but you know, is what it is. The real Slim Shady. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so um, yeah, as, you know, as a spectacle, it, it was it was phenomenal. And let's get into the fight. Tyson Fury finds N'garnu. No one really thought that Ngarnu was going to win that fight, but I will say he won that fight. Yeah. I, I, he won that fight. As, as close as you may see it, or whatever, subjective scoring on some of the rounds or whatever, the knockdown could have been the deciding factor, but I, I had him. I watched the fight three times. Firstly on the night when we were doing the watch along with um, Adam Cattrell and yep. Johnny Fisher. Yep. I'm there watching it, and I'm thinking, was I getting caught up on how well Ngarnu was doing to... Take away from who was really winning the fight. So I went home and watched it again the next morning. I had him winning by two rounds, um, even when I was trying to get it closer than that. It was sort of like a round two rounds difference in it. But Ngannou was the winner. I think that, and this is what really surprised me, Simon, was that we were looking at the fight and saying, "This Tyson Fury is the number one heavyweight right now. He's the number one heavyweight of the modern era. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that." France Ngannou's never had a fight before. He's 37 years of age, coming into a different discipline. We looked at him in the build-up. You go right. He don't look bad, he looks alright, but he, his feet are too slow, his hands are too slow, Fury's got a great boxing IQ, he'll control the space and he'll, and he'll dominate the fight. You know He'll take away Ngannou's main strengths, which is his strength. He goes yeah. out there and straight away Ngannou's controlling the space. Fury's the one on the outside, which we expected, timing's out, doesn't look good, and then he starts reaching, but what Ngannou was doing and doing very well was... Where he was controlling his space, but he was holding his feet and just shuffling forward, but he was forcing Fury. So he was outthinking Fury. He was forcing Fury to come forward. Fury was making those fundamental mistakes, and then Garnou was using his timing to make up the, for, the, for the lack of speed. So as Fury was throwing shots and Garnou was shooting at the same time, and he was catching Fury, and that's what we saw in the third round when he landed that left hook. Fury went down, and Fury just never seemed to get into the fight. And a lot of people will say, yes, he maybe underestimated him, did he train or whatever. I think that. He definitely took his eye off the ball. I think that maybe he thought he only had to turn up to win. And all those factors will come into it. As much as they say, yeah, listen, we've seen interviews with Fury saying, no, i trained as hard Mm -hmm. as I could have, etc. But I know that Fury wouldn't approach the Usyk fight like that. His mindset would be different. And I know that from a fighter's point of view. Fury's gone in there and he was, you know, we saw the big build-up and what he was talking about, you know, with the the security he's had at the airport, etc, etc. And the whole occasion sort of... It you to do,
1: over... You do realise that facts trump sentiment, and the facts have detailed, because obviously Fury and his camp are very big on facts, and the facts are that the fight's been scored in favour of Tyson Fury. And if you keep on suggesting that Ngannou won this fight, you're going to join the Jordan and catchall gang. Yeah, yeah. Right, Which is that you're going to be persona non gratis, well, and not part of the little clique that seems to have spent the last week.
2: Well, let me... You know, yeah.
1: s- spieling and regurgitating nonsense because ultimately the fight was scored that Ngarni won it.
2: Absolutely. But me and 99% of the public, of of the watching public, thought that Fury had lost that fight. And that is facts, you know. I know what I'm watching. Like I say, I watched it three times, Simon, because I thought I was caught up in the moment. I thought I couldn't believe what I was seeing. After the knockdown, I'm thinking of the close rounds. Was I leaning towards Ngannou because I wasn't expecting him to be doing what he was doing in the ring? No. I went home. I watched it from a neutral. I watched it again. And there was only one winner for me.
1: Wasn't the summation of the fight, in its broadest terms, when I sent it to you on, on Sunday morning, and just so we're clear that when anyone is vaguely interested, I... I said I wasn't going to watch this fight. I went to a party, there was a cigar room, they had the fights on, and I, they thought I wanted to watch it. So I was like, no, I don't want to watch this shit. I'll, They put it on for you, I said, okay. And then I saw Moses Atuma, and I thought, well, actually, I want to watch the undercard. And then, yeah. I, then I would have been a bit petulant, and I'm quite capable of being petulant if I hadn't watched the Fury fight. But I thought the summation of it was that Fury was off, and Ngannou was just a little bit better than we thought he was going to be. Yeah. And that was about the long, short, and tall of it. Yeah. And I, I thought that the fight, there's a case for making it a draw. I did not think Tyson Fury won that fight. Yeah. But I think there was an argument to be had that a draw was an outcome mm. that I could have lived with. I didn't think he won. So, mm. that, so that means, by, by association, I didn't think Ngannou lost. Yeah. But well, Ngannou think... seems to have accepted that as a gimme, maybe that's because he's so grateful for the paycheck that's come as a result well, of it.
2: Well, uh, you see the interviews that who's done afterwards, and I think he's, he's watched it back, and he's probably had time to think about it. The initial, I was surprised by his reaction, by the way, because I thought he would have kicked up a bit of his yeah. thing, but like you say, acceptance seems to be a thing with him there, and he was like, well, I now know that I can compete in a boxing mm. ring at this sort of level, and let's move on. Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, them sort of names he was talking about, but, you know, I think since then, he's had time to think about it, he's reflected on it, he's looked at it and thought, no, I won that fight. And, and he did win mm. the fight. You know, like you say, you, you, you said you could see, you know... A case I can make, for a, I can make could a case. make a case for a draw. Yep. Well, I would struggle for that. Yep. Because like I say, I watched it three times and trying to trying to be... I was trying to favour Fury in, in, at the second time I watched it. And I still couldn't see him coming out victorious. And as much as that may piss him off and his team off, yep. the facts are the facts. that He went in there and I don't think he was underprepared. But I think that mentally he wasn't prepared yep. for what Ngani was going to bring. And when you're into a fight... And it starts going not your way and you get knocked down in the third round and then you've got to try and turn things around. You can see that Fury, there was a there was a slight look of desperation at times with him, where he was throwing the shots, reaching to grab, and Garnu's physical strength, I think he had a neck like a shock absorber, where he was taking the shots and just and just coming back. There was no effect. Fury was having no effect on him. And I think Garner yeah, I mean, was going into it. I mean do
1: you think Fury believes he won? Because obviously we've got previous fights where the Josh Taylors of the world have been doubling down against Jack Cattrall, where, like you say, the bulk of the Mm. world think that Jack Cattrall won that fight. And Josh Taylor gets challenged on that. He gets nasty and he doesn't want to talk to anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. In this instance, me. Um, And Tyson Fury thinks he won that fight. Do you think Tyson genuinely believes he won that fight? Well, from what he's been saying and and looking
2: at his body language and whatnot, I think he does believe that he won the fight. I think he believes it was a close fight. And I I think he actually believes, yeah, he he won that fight. But speaking as a fighter, an ex-fighter, and looking at it, I go, you sort of know whether you won the fight or whether it's close. Mm. In my eyes, he didn't win that fight. And I'm not on my own here. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I'm with 99% of the bo- boxing boxing fraternity, fraternity mm. and the public. So, Did you watch you know. it?
1: When I, when I watched it, I mean, I've listened to him. I've listened to a lot of nonsense this week. And disappointing nonsense. And, and some of my own observations, my yeah. ad hominems about child and things like that, I think I could have done better on, right? But mm-hmm. notwithstanding, I think the overriding message is that I expected better, and I'm disappointed mm-hmm. by some of the observations and people like Spencer Brown that put my health into it. Pfft, you know, yeah. n- not good. Yeah, I agree. Um, but the point is this, is I watched Tyson Fury um, walk into that ring, and I thought to myself, this is a man that doesn't have the same intensity about anything he's doing in this ring. I watched him across the ring from Deontay Wilder and it was like a demon had possessed yeah. his eyes. You know, he was looking at Wilder, you know, and there was murderous intent the in his eyes. The focus was there. The focus was there, and whatever he was saying about you're gonna get it or whatever yeah. terminologies he used. In this instance, it seemed to be a completely different setup and a completely different feel about Tyson Field. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't think Tyson was gonna win this fight. Yeah. When I watched him, I thought, it's Francis this, it's very relaxed, yeah. it's very easy on the ear, and very easy on the eye, and this doesn't feel to me like Tyson has got the intensity yeah. that some people were suggesting this fight may require. Yeah. Now, everybody's saying, and Frank Warren saying, I told you that yeah. this was gonna be this, none of them thought yeah. Ngannou was gonna cause the problems, and none of them thought that Tyson was gonna make quite a meal out of it as much as he did, and Frank can say now, I told you it was gonna be competitive, yeah. but everybody, to a man, including Tyson Fury, this was going to be a doddle
2: absolutely and that is and that's a classic example of every time a fighter approaches a fight he's got to have that challenger's mindset where you like you say where he's the underdog he's got to be totally focused Tyson Fury didn't have that yeah. I'm, I'm with you yeah. as in he did not the same intensity wasn't there. Like when he was up on the stage, he was playing the music, he was jogging around the stage. And and like I said it looked like he was going into an exhibition. It did. A lot of people felt that that, thought that was an exhibition, but it actually wasn't. It was sanctioned by the British Boxing Board of Control. Oh yeah. An official 10 rounder. And he had to go in there and do the job. And I think that, I think it was the surprise element of it. I think he went out there, he let the big right hand go, something that he doesn't normally do anyway. He normally goes out there and fills his way in. Tyson Fury's boxing IQ is, is, leagues above every, every every other heavyweight he works fighters out and that's what that's where his big advantages are he got out faults here as in out, out faults and, and out, out faults. yeah, yeah. In, in, in both departments which really 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 surprised me just shows that, and you can't take anything away from Ngannou for that because I think that Tactically, Nganu got it spot on. Like I say, he was holding his feet, he was waiting. He recognised that speed wasn't on his side. He was waiting and he was delivering as Fury was throwing But wasn't shots.
1: that more to do with just where Tyson was in this fight? But I, think, I mean, we are elevated Nganou because everybody gave him, in, all of us included, yeah. because that's what it should have been. Yeah. That's what it should have been. And I made the observation and I said on, on Monday, look, I think Tyson Fury thought this was a doddle. I think, mm-hmm. I do, I think this is a um, sports entertainment I think it's Disneyfication and I don't think it was meant to be a competitive Mm. fight in certain respects. Mm. Albeit, so Frank Warren said to me, hold on you, got quite cross with me. Um, Stop peddling that narrative. It was a competitive fight. So, okay, I'll repackage the narrative right then. This is arguably the greatest heavyweight of our generation, right? Potentially being beaten by a 37-year-old that hasn't fought for two years with a bad knee that's been yeah. rebuilt in a discipline that he's never fought in before, making his debut on the world stage. Is that a better narrative we, for you, we, Frank? We Frank's like, be, that's could, not a good narrative either.
2: Yeah, we could be talking about now, and we very well could be talking about right now is that we've just witnessed the biggest upset in boxing history with what happened there. It's just that the scores didn't go and go on his way. But that's, a, that's the conversation that we, could, we, we should be really having in my eyes. Do you I smell anything?
1: Uh, does it smell of anything? <laughs> Does it smell of anything? I'm asking you because I'm not going to make these observations anymore because I'm so frightened of being banned. Do you feel that that's a contrived outcome because there's look, too much on the line here?
2: Look, one one thing we can guarantee, the, front, the Tyson Fury we got there, you wouldn't get against Alexander Usyk. I, I the agree. A question I want to ask you actually, Simon, you will know this better than most because you speak to Frank all the time. Tyson Fury said in the build-up to that fight, I've signed the contract. The contracts have been signed. Mm. Whatever happens, Alexander Usyk thinking that Usyk wouldn't be ready yeah. for the 23rd through injuries from the last fight that he had with Daniel Dubois. Contracts are signed. If you don't fight on December the 23rd, we'll, I'll sue you. I'll see you in court. So what happens now? Because well, I'm hearing that Fury now, Usyk does want that fight on the twenty first, yeah. and Fury wants to delay it to do. Well, new that, year.
1: that is what Usyk's management said the other day, which is you can't trust what Tyson Fury yeah, has said. Yeah, but have so, so, let me, so let me go back to the question and, and the understanding of it, Frank. We, again, we have to go on what other people have said. Right? Because there's a lot of people suggesting, if you, if we, if you and I are not in the room, right, mm. we don't know what's on that contract. If you and I haven't seen a copy of that contract, yeah. so we have to go on what other people have said right, so that people are clear on this. What Frank Warner said is a contract has been signed. He's never said that inside that contract is was it date? contingent upon a date. What he said was that this contract was based upon it being inside the Riyadh season, which means it runs from where we saw the opening this weekend up to, I believe, the beginning, beginning the, of the beginning, I mean, the middle the of March. Right. Of, yeah. So I'm not really bothered with the fight on the December 23rd. And I don't know why Tyson Fury wants to make it again an ultimatum Mm. where he creates division. Now, I suspect it's because the backstory is that Tyson wants to control the direction. And I did almost cringe and my bum did almost go, you couldn't get an American Express car between the cheeks of my ass when I'm listening to Frank going, he's the boss, he's the boss, right? But we all got to operate the way we want to. But the irony of Frank now saying that Tyson can't be expected to fight um, uh, what is uh, the reason behind Usyk it, on December 23rd, right. when they were making the same argument that Anthony Joshua should be prepared to fight a Tyson Fury at the end of November, or yeah. the 7th of December was the drop dead date, yeah. which was two months after he fought Alexander Usyk in a rematch yeah. that took so much out of Joshua, sure. you know, and I think the Joshua camp are falling over themselves at the moment, I'm thinking, is Simon praising Anthony recently, yeah, yeah. but you've got to call it for what it is. Yeah. Let's have it right. Did you see Eddie
2: Hearn's comments actually? Calling for the Engalu Anthony Joshua fight? Yeah, I mean, rumbling
1: th- the jungle too. I think that's interesting in terms of look. I've I've, I've touched the base of a couple of the guys inside Anthony's camp to say, you're not going to fight Ghana are you? Mm, look, there's more reason for them to make this fight. Eddie yeah. talks about the fact that they they were having this opportunity six months ago, and in fairness to Anthony Joshua, mm-hmm. he turned around and went, I don't want that fight. It's a gimmick. Now, what I, what I would say is it's. Laughable that mm. the WBC are now going to suggest that they can put Ngannou inside the top ten, right? I don't know what. That believe t- they're ranking him. That's my point. Yeah, that's my point. Because then, it, if you're fighting a top ten fighter, all of a sudden it gives you legitimacy. Mm. In this instance, fabulous for Francis Ngannou. Fabulous backstory. You know, really decent human being that deserved to get one sixth of what Tyson Fury yeah. got out of this fight. And in your in your book, the the, the winner of that fight, and he that's deserves true. to get other opportunities whether i
2: think he won that fight
1: though i, I don't think, think i don't think he lost now that's not me sitting on a fence mm. that's me saying i can make a case for the for the draw right because i'm looking at it and going i think that the, the fight was so steeped in our mindsets of what we were watching unfold in front of us he wasn't a patsy he wasn't getting knocked out straight away yeah. there was more to it he had dropped tyson fury so all of a sudden there wasn't that much going on in this fight. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't ever going to win fight of the year. Yeah. So when you're looking at it, you're going, well, it's, not, it's difficult to separate them because there isn't that much going on. Tyson started rounds. to pop, pop away yeah. at the, in the later rounds. And there was an element of look of desperation about him at times mm. because he's realizing that he's not getting into his rhythm. He's not creating the impact that he wants. And the, the knockdown, like he says, it wasn't a jarring knockdown. It was a flash knockdown. Yeah, it was more about oh, Tyson yeah. Fury's been knocked down.
2: But it was a legitimate knockdown. It was a legitimate knockdown. You know, it goes down a ten-eight 8 round. I, yeah, look, for me, there was, there was only one winner in the contest. Whether, you know... You I, know be, like that, I right?
1: believe in, in, you know, and, I've, and I've, you know, I've had an opportunity this week to write an article in the Mail about Tyson Fury, which I don't want to do because I'm tired of giving him attention. You know, he's had lots of attention this week. He's had lots of people blowing smoke up his backside. He's been telling us all about how the government should be doing more for him and how he shouldn't have to queue at airports and all that sort of stuff. So he's gotten carried away with himself.
2: Did you give that treatment?
1: No, i get the polar opposite. Don't let him on the plane. Don't let him back into Spain. Um, you turn left but or I, right I believe, on the plane. I believe,
2: you turn left or right on the plane.
1: I turn left. Okay. Um, I, 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 I believe that a lot of the reasons, because I've tried to work out last week, where's all this rancor coming from? Where's all this, you know, I, I know why the guys on the YouTube channels are doing it. And by the way, you are YouTube channels, and this is a major broadcaster. That's a digital extension, right? Um, but... The, I can't understand where it's coming from, and I thought to myself, some of these observations that go back six or seven months that we cleared up last week, yeah, because none of it's steeped in any substance. Why are they getting so irritable about it now? Oh, and I, don't I think that. I, I think it's because the Saudis, like the Qataris, when the Qataris put on the World Cup, right? Yeah. They were listening to a lot of the Western media, and they were listening to hear what was being said, and when. Um, I was talking about going over to Qatar. I was talking about the Western culture, not having the right to superimpose its own values over the Qatari principles, and who are we to judge the world? So when I get over there, Nasser Khalafi wants to be my mate, and all of a sudden we're in, getting access. And I didn't say it for that reason. Right? Yeah. I think they watch the Western media. I think the Saudis are watching the Western media saying, what's happening with this? And you've got the Western media, me and other people far more important than me, mm-hmm. sort of pissing on this in fight saying, yeah. it's the fight it's not going to happen the way it should happen in terms of Fury should be fighting for in a boxing ring and Ghana's gonna get blown over and I think the the Saudis were not liking that and Mm -hmm. that's the reasons why you got the announcement about the Usyk fight and that's why you've got the deflection from the Fury camp about who said what when and why Makes sense and and all the guys that are running around with the boxing uh, the social media guys running around saying did you hear what such-and-such said
2: Well, the the insane thing about the whole of that was that the the media for the first three or four days out there weren't about the Ngannou, Tyson Fury fight, it was about Simon Jordan, talk sport, the narrative, and and the wrong facts, by the way, we're we're talking about facts Mm -hmm. all the time, we're talking about facts. You, was, you, you were saying they missed the word if yep. out. They missed the word if, which was a huge word in the sentence. Well,
1: Adam Cattrall, as you know, did a
3: brilliant piece on Saturday night. Team Fury uh, are a little disgruntled with two individuals that are connected to TalkSport. One of those individuals is me. Tyson Fury claims to be the greatest heavyweight of our generation. His team profess that he is the greatest heavyweight of our generation. As of many of the fan base that follow the sport, they will say the exact same thing. My question is, how did you come to that conclusion? If it's just eye test, fair enough. I think a lot of people would agree with that. But for me, when you're talking about greatness, you've got to have numbers, facts and figures to be able to back up your argument. Now, here's my argument to counter you being upset with me. Tyson Fury has only been in six world title fights. He's had 34 professional bouts, six of them world title fights. Three have come against the same bloke. He's defended the title on three occasions, twice against fellas that he's previously beaten. Tonight, you fight someone that is making their professional boxing debut. There is a guy in his era that has had 12 heavyweight world title fights. He's defended on seven separate occasions and has unified the division against another undefeated champion i personally think that asking whether fury is a myth or the proper fighting man is a myth at this particular time is absolutely relevant i'm also confident that in time he'll answer that question but as of today it's absolutely relevant because numbers do not lie journalism is about saying things that most people don't necessarily want you to say everything else is just pr and we've witnessed that in absolute spade loads in Riyadh throughout the whole course of the week. Shills and PR merchants absolutely churning out ridiculous narratives, mainly against TalkSport and my colleagues. All of a sudden, out of absolutely nowhere, we had a mythical date, set by one man, Tyson Fury. Anthony Joshua's got till five o'clock on Monday to sign this contract. He didn't negotiate that with any of his team. He didn't tell any of his team, and you know that. He just came out on social media and said... Five o'clock AJ on Monday, sign that contract or it's off. Now, we've got a Netflix documentary, which kind of solidifies this at home with the furies. All the fight fans watched it. Episode seven, deadline day for AJ. 29 minutes into the episode. This is what he said. Robert, we've less than
2: three minutes to go. Have we heard anything on the contract signed? What George asked for leave it till close and play tonight before midnight. No. Five o'clock's cut off. That's in two minutes. It's
3: not, it's not happening, but don't say anything. Just keep quiet.
2: No, I want to absolutely rip it to pieces in two minutes.
1: And just leave it for now, Tyson. George is working hard to try and get it full
2: together. He said just give me a, until it's close at play tonight.
3: DJ! No signature. Five o'clock. Now, to me, my conclusions there are pretty conclusive. They're the actions of a man that did not want to fight Anthony Joshua. He was asked by his team, just give us a couple of minutes. Give us a couple of hours. Give us till the end of the day. We'll get this over the line. He decided not to do that. The
1: challenge for people like Spencer Brown and Shane Fury and even Tyson himself is if, they, if, they, if they're asked to come and support what they've said, they wouldn't dare do it in a debate because they can't, mm-hmm. because they know the observations that they're making aren't true. yeah. And they know that the the, the the reaction that they're giving isn't based upon any substance. So when Adam invites Spencer Brown to come on his show or to come on my show with Jim, right? Yeah. Uh, or mine and Jim's show, um, You know they won't do it. They'll hide and they'll say it's because we're not giving you clicks, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't need fucking clicks from Tyson Fury. Yeah, sure. I don't need the subject matter is Tyson Fury because he is the WBC champion in the world and Mm -hmm. he's fighting that week. And when he doesn't sign a fight to fight Usyk, it becomes a discussion point. Yeah. And I'm so disappointed in the in the weakness of some of these guys. Now, maybe they're weaponizing it, and maybe it's just clicks for them, too. Yeah. And maybe they think it's interesting commentary. And I certainly know that the social media guys, whether it's Coogan, Cassius, or it's the other fellas that run the different platforms, are all taking content and utilizing it and turning it into whatever they want. My overriding perspective is Tyson Fury doesn't have to have a relationship with anybody that he doesn't, have, doesn't want one. If he doesn't believe that TalkSport have been fair, and he doesn't believe that they've supported him in, uh, in, in, in a view... That's up to him. Yeah. I think he knows it's wrong. Sure. I think that if, if he looks at the criticism, did he bet Piers Morgan a million quid? Mm. Did he bet Piers Morgan a million quid? The answer is yes, he did. Did he pay it? No, he didn't. Did he say he was going to have 10 fights and he was going to make Jerry Cesar at the very back of the pile? Has he done that? Has he said he, did he say he was going to do this? And all of these things yeah. have resulted in a, in a strange sort of scenario, which is disappointing. But look, we've given Tyson a lot of airtime. He didn't want any of it. He's lucky to have got away with a result on the weekend. Yeah. I still think like you, that when he gets a chance to fight Usyk, we will see the That's Tyson Fury, Fury that you and I believe is the generational best heavyweights. And I, I hope, hope along so. the way, he gets to become a better person as well. Just right? quickly, Different do, you discussion. That,
2: do you think that this, um, this opens up the flag base now more so for crossover fights? Do you think that we're going to see that a lot more with Francis Ngannou, possibly with Anthony Joshua? Depends what you... Francis d- Ngannou, Deontay Wilder talking about going into the MMA ring.
1: Depends what you think it is. Does I, it
2: dilute boxing?
1: I, I think it's sports entertainment. Yeah. And I think they're, they're, the way that sports is going at this moment in time is on a different level. And there's a different mm. way of looking at it. And the sports entertainment side of things, and the Disneyfication has a place. Do I think it does anything for boxing? Not particularly. Do, do you I think, think it's th- got a home? I think it's got a home. I do as well. And I think that, you know, whether I like it or I don't like it, I think you've got to grow up and read the room and smell the coffee because it's the way that it's going and the Saudis have got a style and a way of doing things and that has has its benefits. But look. A changing of the times.
0: It's a changing of the times. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: I thought there was some really good fights on the undercard. And, you know, I thought the build up to the grudge match between Fabio Wardley, Wardley and, yeah, and, uh, and David, David Adelaide. Adelaide yeah. um, I think the build up was slightly better than the fight. Um, but I thought Fabio Wardley did very well.
2: Oh do you know what? I enjoyed the fight, actually. So did I. I actually I actually because uh, I knew where it was, Fabio Wardley was sort of proven in an nathan Gorman fight. I think he proved that he mm. sort of belongs at that sort of level. Yeah. David Adelaide hadn't really done that. There was a lot of talk beforehand. Adelaide trying to get in Waldley's head. Yep. Waldley played it smart. He didn't bite. He didn't rise to the occasion. You know, he played it smart. And I think that, that worked against David Adelaide. And he played right up until the first yep. bell went. He was trying to get in there, you know, talking the talk, and he didn't walk the walk. And I think he tried to deliver. He went out there, he started gassing by about the sixth round. But what Fabio Wardley done so well was he used it was educated pressure. He he, he he controlled the space of the ring. I think he showed great composure. He went in there. He didn't get carried away. Like Adelaide tried to take... He was boxing on the back foot, trying to let the big bombs go. And I think he slowly chipped away Wardley. And he showed us that actually he does belong there. Mm. He's a good fighter, a lot better than people give him credit yeah. for. He's one to keep your eye on Fabio Wardley because I think that he's improving all the time. Mm. And what impresses me more about Wardley is the way that he reacts when he gets caught or when he gets yeah. hit. He turns a screw, he goes yeah, back again. Yeah. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an important ingredient mm-hmm. for a good fighter.
1: Well, you saw that with, I mean, not comparing the quality of fighters, but you saw that with Baturbi versus Yard. When Yard started turning the screw, boom, Baturbi came Yikes. back. And I saw, no, I'm not comparing the two fighters because different weight classes and I different understand. levels, you, you, could, you, you understand the yeah, analogy. Yeah. And I, I looked at Fabio Wardley and I thought to myself, okay, you are a lot better than I thought you were. I'm, I'm not entirely sure David Adelaide brought it as he said he was going to do and I'm not sure he yeah. was technically yeah, he good enough. He boxes
2: like that, Adelaide. He yeah. does box on the back foot and he's very yeah. heavy-handed and he looks to quick counters and goes for the shots. I've known him since he's an amateur, Adelaide. It was just that he hadn't been proven or tested at that level and he sort of, he blew a gasket after six rounds and that tells you that Wardley was going through the gears mm. and Adelaide was operating at top gears from early. Yeah. And that's why, that was the difference. And that's the difference when you go into 12 round fights. I also,
1: you can't help but do this and it's always a slightly unfair thing to do because you should take things in isolation. But I looked at Wardley and I looked at Fraser Clark's performance against Dave Allen and I thought without being mean spirited, I thought there's a, perhaps a good reason why Fraser shouldn't mm-hmm. have taken yeah. that fight and didn't take that fight. And I know Ben Shalom's talked about him needing to have more rounds and fight longer distance, a longer duration of fights. But I, Fabio Wardley would give Fraser Clark.
2: A, 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 he would start a huge yeah. underdog, Fraser mm-hmm. Clark, going yeah. into that fight. And the reason that he would start a big underdog is because I think that Fabio Wardley is one of those fighters. He's sort of like, like I say, educated pressure. He puts his punches together. Well, he's got a great boxing IQ. He slips shots, he sets traps, mm-hmm. and he puts the punches together. Fraser Clark's shown us nothing yet apart from boxing very one-paced, and at that level, is not good enough, you know. And I think that that's what we was looking at when who did he box the um, Mar- Marius Wack? When he boxed Marius Wack, he looked at that mm-hmm. and you go, Wack was perfect for him. That he could have just chipped away, picked up the gears, gone through the gears a little bit, but he didn't. He just he played it safe. His simple one twos and whatnot. That's not enough at this sort of level. And I think that Wardley is out of that of that young pack that's coming through I think that Wardley's the one that is the most improved young, and y- youngest yeah yeah youngish, young-ish yeah. now uh, oh, oh sorry the, the pack below Dan- top tier I'll, I'll take Below the age Dubois. thing out yeah, of it yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the pack before that Like, I think the Wadley's the one that is starting to come through you think starting did, to shine. you think his
1: lack of amateur career will play into anything no
2: I don't because I just think that he's that fighter that's learning he's developing on the job and you go where well why, why do you it, make such a where... big
1: deal out of lack of amateur career when it's Anthony Joshua and you make that small deal about it when it's well I'm not South making a Wally. small deal
2: out of it I'm saying a, I'm not making a small deal out of it I said I don't think it's going to affect him moving up because I think he's just one of those fighters that is very naturally talented Anthony Joshua's not got the talent. Nat- mm-hmm. He's not as gifted as Wardley, no. as in Joshua's. Joshua's very strong. That, that's where he's careful. You'll, get, you'll be out of a WhatsApp. No, group, no, so. no. I'm definitely in the group, mate. Joshua has his own own strengths. Who's laughing? Over that? <laughs> Joshua has his own strengths. But what I'm saying is, Wardley, his boxing IQ is great, and I think that you know he's naturally gifted, and I think that that's gonna yeah, he's gonna push him on.
1: What did you make of Adelaide's behaviour? I mean, obviously sticking his tongue out is one part of it when he's in trouble, but. Clearly I'm referring to a situation with a referee.
2: Yeah, I think it was heat of the moment stuff. But he's going to get himself in trouble, Yeah, first loss, heat in the moment stuff, stupid. And I think if he, he'll look back on that, it was like, you know, like, he'd been talking he's the He's going to get a ban, isn't he? And he will get a fine. I don't think you're you don't think he'll get, get a suspension? No, because I don't think it was bad enough. It was sort of like what, you give the referee a dig in the ribs. Well, yeah, it was not. It was like it's nothing more than I hit you with when we walk into the room. Yeah, but that's it, my part? knee. You're hitting my <laughs> knee. That's where we can reach. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I think he'll. I think he'll get a fine. I think he'll get a, a slap on the wrist and a fine. If I'm totally honest, I mean, it would. It was. Yeah, it was him being stupid, um, and the heat of the moment stuff. I think that mm. with, with him getting stopped it's a fighter's mentality, but. The referee done a great job there, by the way. That stoppage was timed absolutely perfectly because Wardley was, like, yeah. Wardley was picking yeah, no, up. Yeah, right. no, absolutely right. Great, great stoppage. I mean, you Quite ra- got in the way of Adelaide there.
1: Yeah, you raved about Moses Zatuma, and I've only seen a little bit of him, and I yeah. saw him on Saturday night, and I thought to myself, this is a boy that carries the same sort of menace yeah. and bad intentions yeah. as people in previous incarnations that went on to terrify the living shit out of heavyweights in obviously yeah. Mike Tyson. Yeah. I'm not suggesting you can compare them at this stage, but he has that in his mind's eye. He yeah. wants to be the youngest heavyweight champion in the world. He exhibits in this fight, certainly, the same sort of characteristics as, as, as Mike Tyson did, which was yeah. letting his hands go, getting in range really quick yeah. and having really bad intentions. Absolutely. And I was really, really, really impressed it by him. He ticks all the boxes, don't he? Yeah, I told he does, you, like, yeah, this kid right.
2: is the real deal. Yeah. He really is, and I know that because I know the gym rumours, and I know what he does in the gym with mm. all the top heavyweights and the way he handles himself, conducts himself. He's a lovely guy outside the ropes as well. And I just think that, he, yeah, he's got that spiteful intention that he's needed to take you to the top. But along with that, you know, he's, he, again, he's got great head movement, good spe- speed of hand. And he went in there and he'd done a job. Yeah. You know, he'd done a job there on, on, a, on a big stage as well for an 18-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot Didn't of pressure to handle. Him. Didn't phase him. Faze him at all. So he ticks all the boxes yeah. at the moment. And, um... Yeah, I, like I said to you, I think he's the next heavyweight. Does he
1: smell like the next Absolutely. sort of one? Absolutely. Yeah, he's he the one that takes the baton mm. from
2: this current crop of heavyweights mm. right now.
1: You think it's very important for him what what is done with the matchmaking? I mean, obviously, Uncle Frank um, will take care of that. And, you, and Frank yeah. is very good Frank's at, the best matchmaking. At, at matchmaking. At yeah.
2: matchmaking. He, he develops fighters, you know, we used to. I've done it so many times before, but when you use Ricky Hatton as an example in boxing for the British title in his 25th fight... Is because he recognised the talent that Hatton had, but he, talent, Hatton turned young like that, pro young like that as well. Eighteen years of age, i think, thinking they just let him grow, can, develop. Can
1: you see? And can you see Moses getting an opportunity? I mean, given the landscape of the heavyweight division, mm. um, can you see him getting an opportunity to fight for a world title that does achieve? I mean, yes, he's going to get that shot if he keeps on building up and, and getting and getting the level of. Uh, yeah. Enhancement into his into his into his skill set, but do you see him having the timelines given what we're seeing in the heavyweight division yeah. that he'll get an opportunity yeah, in that timeline in the next two years? I absolutely, suggest
2: absolutely. Yeah, well, I don't think it'll be two years anyway. I think with Moses and Zama, I reckon it's like a we're gonna duck like him, aren't a they? Three, no, three-year plan, and I, I just believe that. That current crop of heavyweights that are there now will be gone. Then, what's Deontay Wilder's nearly, you know, 40, uh, forty, nearly forty years of age, isn't he? Anthony Joshua's thirty-three, but where has he got another three years there? Same well, it's, as Tyson it's, it's Fury. So look, I think that, I think that, like I say to you, I think it's all about timing. He needs time to develop more. But I think the difficult job for Frank Warren and the team is going to be actually holding him back. Mm. You know, and, and or, that's, get, or that's getting, that's getting people
1: difficulty. to want to
2: fight him. Absolutely, it's going to cost old Uncle
1: Frank a few quid, I think. Mm. Well, we know how much he likes that. <laughs> right. That's it for this week's episode, episode 46. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Of course, if you're Tyson Fury, don't bother. And we'll see you next week.